Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our campuses. Welcome, Facebook. Hi, honey. Good to see you. Um, all the rest of you, we're really glad to have you here. I'm Tim. I'm the pastor here. We want to help you uh, stay connected to God this summer, maybe meet him for the first time, uh, whatever. If you're new, here's what I want to tell you. And, and people that know me will know this. I'm, 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 I'm a straight shooter. This is not, I'm not a BS guy, okay? I just want to tell you, I think this is the most healthy and exciting time of this church's history. I really do. And here's why I want to tell you that. Because this church is, for, for many reasons, but this church is 67 years old. I know you don't, I don't know, you, most of you probably don't know that. I've been here for 28 years. And what tends to happen when, when an organization has existed for a long time, especially if they've had a little bit of success along the way, is they start to become stagnant, right? They start to become, okay, well, I got this figured out. You guys all come to us and, and make it happen. And this verse from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 is super important to me. It's one of my theme verses. And I think because we get this, the future is amazing here. I have become all things, Paul said, to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. All right, we're not, we're not going to get everybody, but, but I, I'm going to become all things, all men, by all possible means we may save some. That's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And here's what I love about the time and place that we live in. There are all kinds of new ways to be all things to all people. I mean, there's all kinds of new ways that things happen. I mean, I love that this church embraces technology. I'm, I love that so many of you are watching us right now live from all over the, the world. And, and I love technology, right? But there are some things that technology... Technology can't fix. You got to admit that. So we have to find a balance, and I think we have that. Here's an example of some things that technology can't fix. Uh, you don't even have to understand the language for some commercials for them to work right, right? Um, what I'm saying is we got to find a balance of how to be all things to all people. So technology is great, but we still need paper every once in a while, right? And I also believe that we need people. Because, uh, because virtually works for a, a while, but, but that's why I love our campus model. If you don't know this, we have campuses in Homer Glen and also in, in New Lenox, and we're working on two, in Orland Park, and we're working on uh, hopefully having two more in the next couple of years. We're trying to figure that out because that enables us to kind of do both things at the same time. I like being a grandparent. I love that I can FaceTime with my grandchildren since they live far away. But it kills me when GT, George Timothy, my 14-month-old in Nashville, it, it kills me. That's us FaceTime in one day. It kills me when he grabs a hold of the iPad and tries to give me a kiss because he doesn't get it, right? I mean, he doesn't know that I'm not, I'm not right there. And I, I would crawl through the Internet. It's killing some of you on Facebook Live right now that I can't crawl through the screen to kiss you, isn't it? I, I get it. There, there's no substitute for actual human connection, all right? Right? And that's what I want to make sure that you understand as we head into summer. Because more human connection happens in summer than ever before. We get to slow down. We take some vacations. We crawl out of our Chicago cocoons a little bit and get out there into the world. And, and I read recently that 30, only 31% of Americans say they know all or most even of their neighbors. And I think we need real paper. I think we need real people. And I think we need Jesus that's not my sermon. I mean, that's not my three points. I'm just saying that, that those, this summer thing is the opportunity for us to have relationships and be Jesus in, in real life to people better than ever before. So that's what I want to talk about. It was um, 
It was brought to my attention again even more this week. We had a consultant in from, uh, from Life Church in Oklahoma City, the former executive pastor from there. They're the largest church in America, 85,000 people a weekend worship at 30 campuses, okay? And, and, and we're just learning how to reach more people. That's what I'm telling you. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways to do a lot of different things now. And he was here and he reminded me of this graph, which I've used many times. I want to remind you about it again, all right? I stole it from him. Uh, this, is, this represents the timeline in which we, uh, we exist today, all right? 50 years on either side of the year 2000. Let's just call that our little window. All right? That's when we're here. Now, that is world population. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what, why it was so stagnant back here. I, don't, I mean, there were plagues. There were wars. We, we, you know, we get that. People weren't reproducing quite as much. I don't know what was going on. You know, but, but, but along the way, about the time I and many of you came onto the scene, all of a sudden there's this huge influx of people, and we live in that little window right there. And, and, and we need to figure out how to reach those people in that window. And I don't think that window's growing because I'm here. I don't think that window's growing because you're here. I think that window of opportunity is here, and God put us here for a reason. Our vision statement as a church is we're going to reach, raise, and release. We're going to reach people with God's love. We're going to raise them to be like Jesus, and, and, and we're going to release them. That's what we do, okay? So I want to give you a simple analogy uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, something very easy for you to remember. Maybe you've heard this before, so that as you go into the summer, um, that you'll figure out how to do it the way Jesus wants. Here you go. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So, so here's my question. How does Jesus want me to do summer? How does Jesus want me to do summer? He wants me to do it as salt and as light. Okay? So here, I'm going to give you one phrase for you to remember because I know it's, you know, you, you got a lot on your mind. This is it. Starts like this. Get out there. Get out there. You're going to anyway. This is not hard, but get out there. If you want to know how to get out there and, 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 and be Jesus to the world and be salt and light, I wrote a book on it uh, four years ago called Life on Mission. If you're new, you haven't read it, we have it available at all of our campuses today. I don't make any money off of it. It's, a, it's just a, a way for you to understand Parkview's vision and who we are. If you're, uh, if you're watching online, you can go to lifeonmission.com and, and pick it up there or Amazon or whatever. I, I'd love for you to get it because it's what what part view is all about. What, 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 the, what the point of get out there is, is that it doesn't do you any good to put salt on the shell of the egg, right? If you put it on the outside, it doesn't do any good. So you have to get the salt to the egg. You with me? If you're, if you're going to cook steaks today, you know, you got to take the cellophane off or the butcher paper off before you put the rub on. I, uh, I, like, to smoke, uh, I like to smoke meat in the summertime. I've got uh, one of those ceramic smokers, you know, like a big green egg. It's a knockoff. It's cheaper, but I got one of those things, and I love to smoke meat. And my wife loves it when I do poultry, when I do turkey or beer can chicken. I got a killer recipe for that. And, and you know what? The key, if, if you don't know anything about smoking, the key to doing poultry is to brine it. 
Brining it is when you soak it in salt water and some spices for several days before you put it on the smoker. And, and, and the salt and the spices permeate the bird before you put it on there. And then it, 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 it's amazingly different. So what I'm saying is the church is basically a giant salt shaker. That's what we are. And we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're watching with us. We're, we're, we love having you a part of it. And we want you to be here in the summer. We've got some great stuff planned. So come and hang out in the salt shaker. And if you aren't salty yet, maybe, maybe it'll, you know, it'll make you more salty. But this is not what we exist for. We exist for out there, okay? We exist. Uh, my job as a, as, as a person that runs the shaker is to shake you out and get you out in the world. So go brine the world around you. It's that simple. Jesus said the same thing about light. He said, you are the light of the world. This is pretty important and pretty impressive, isn't it? I know. This is like one of those new flashlights that'll, that'll blind you. You are the light of the world. City on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Well, this is Im impressive in here, um, but, but, but you know what? If it was dark, it would be even more impressive. Yeah, all the lights that you have in your auditorium, the lights that are in your house right now, one of them by themselves is not that big a deal because it's daytime and there's other lights probably on. But one by itself, it's very, very different. You know this because if you've ever been out in the country or on a dark road, have you ever had this experience where you, all of a sudden you realize one of your headlights is out? And you've been driving around for probably months with a headlight out that you didn't even notice because you live in the city and there's lights all the, all the time. And now all of a sudden you get to the darkness and you realize one of them is going out. Imagine what it was like in Jesus' day when we were using candles. I mean, they're out in the Sea of Galilee. The only way they could see the port was, you know, if there was a fire going or if there were can a bunch of candles there. Jesus said, let your light shine. Make sure it's on the hill so they can see it. That's what it was all about. Don't hide in your own little community, okay? But, but, but go out there and do it. But you, Peter said, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood belonging to God. That's all of us, guys. Why? Why are you that? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You're supposed to shine. That's what we do. Jesus said it this way, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's, that's our job, but it starts with going, okay? And, and I know you're going anyway, so that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up. Just I want you to be salty when you go out there. Stay salty, my friends. That's what I'm saying, okay? Get out there and don't overdo it. Don't be weird. <laughs> Literally, for the love of God, don't be weird. Okay? Don't overdo it. Don't, don't, don't take this as, well, i got to go out and salt everybody to death. I'm going to go out and get my flashlight and start shining on everybody. No, 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 no. Don't overdo it. I read about a woman who began her career as a uh, school counselor, and uh, she was really interested in helping people. That was what she was going to be about, right? So she looks out the first day at recess, and she sees all the kids playing soccer over here at one point, and there's one other little girl over on the other side of the field. And she was kind of like, oh, that poor little girl must be alone. So, so she went over and asked her if she was all right. 
And the little girl said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And she walked back again, and a little while later, she saw him. It's the same thing. I mean, all the kids are over there playing, and she's over there. And, and she went back over, and she said, would you like me to be your friend? The little girl kind of looked at her suspiciously and said, okay. And she was feeling like she was making some progress. She said, why are you standing over here all alone? The little girl said, because I'm the goalie. <laughs> okay. Just really, really important as you stay salty, my friend, don't be weird salt, okay? J Jesus asks us to be a witness, not a prosecuting attorney, not a, not a judge, okay? Just a witness. Salt, listen, salt doesn't draw attention to itself, does it? I mean, if you, go into a, if you go into a restaurant and you have a really good meal, have you ever gone, hey, could you ask the chef if he uses Himalayan sea salt or Morton's because this is really, really good? No, of course not, because that's not the nature of salt. The nature of salt is to, is to enhance the surroundings. Actually, usually if you know there's salt on your food, it's probably a problem, isn't it? I mean, you know there is, but if you notice it, it could be a problem. Were you ever in junior high and somebody unscrewed the lid on the salt shaker and left it for you, and then you went and dumped a whole pile of salt on your Friday surprise casserole. There is nothing that you can do about it at that point, is there? I mean, you can try scraping it off, but it's done. It's over with. You, you can never undo over-salting. That's what I want you to understand. The meal is ruined. And I guess I, I haven't processed this that much before. I'm, I'm working on another book and about the things that make Jesus angry, and it's the stuff that when people are barriers to God. And, and a lot of times the barriers were about, in Jesus' day, were about overdoing it. I just want you to understand, you don't overdo it. it. It's better for you to underdo it than overdo it. Now, if you were paying attention, some of you are going to say, well, hang on a second, P.T., um, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? No longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. That sounds a lot like undersalting to me, doesn't it? It would, unless you remember chemistry. Both of you that remember chemistry listening to me right now, you know what I'm talking about. Sodium chloride is a very stable compound. It's a very stable compound. You really can't make salt be unsalty. So what is Jesus talking about? It can become contaminated. Remember, in Jesus' day, they were using salt for a preservative. They, I mean, salt was a huge, important issue for them along the way. And what happens? They would reuse salt. And what happens over the course of time, you start getting other stuff mixed into the salt, and then all of a sudden you've got yourself some contaminated salt. And at some point, you just got to throw it out and use it for gravel. It's not because the salt was under-applied, it's because the salt was under-effective. You with me? It's interesting that Jesus never warns us about undersalting or oversalting, even though at this point I would be more at ease in having you undersalt than oversalt. What Jesus warns us about is contamination. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Here, here's, a, here's, a little, uh, here's a little idea for you if you've got an older car, like, especially 10 years old or more. Um, if you've never replaced the headlights, then you probably ought to. 
get some LEDs for crying out loud, you know, because they're amazingly different. But, but if you haven't ever done it, I would just encourage you to, to clean the lenses off in, in your car. If you know enough about cars to use a screwdriver, probably if you have an older car, you can take the, the lenses off and you can clean the inside of it. And I would encourage you to clean just one of them, okay, just so, so you prove my point, and then take your car and head it into the garage so you can see and turn the lights on and notice the difference between a clean lens and a dirty lens. You'll be amazed. That's what Jesus is talking about becoming unsalty. It's when we become contaminated. Listen, it's not about being perfect. It's about being honest, but it's about shining the light of Jesus as we go. They're watching you. They're watching me, okay? They're watching the way that we do things. And so good salt, good light is something that gives the example of Jesus as we go. read about a pastor who was building a trellis out in his front yard, and, um, you know, everybody in town knew he was a pastor, but there was this little neighborhood kid he didn't know who was watching him as he was building this thing for his roses to climb up, and he had his hammer and, you know, all his tools out there, and he's working away, and this little boy's just watching him, and after a while, he's like, are you, are you wanting to learn how to, how to use a hammer? And the little boy said, no, I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with one. <laughs> and that depends on whether it's Todd or me, but this is about balance, okay? This is about balance, you guys. If you aren't, if you aren't applied at all, then it's not gonna, your salt is pointless. Over-application, also bad. And if you are unsalty, you might as well forget it, Okay? The, the, the Bible tells us, Paul tells Titus, in every way, make the teaching about our God and Savior attractive, okay? Make Jesus look good, which is the end of my statement. Get out there, don't overdo it, don't be weird, and just make Jesus look good while you go, wherever you go this summer. That's how he wants us to do it. Our church and our, and our Christianity ought to be a magnet that attracts people not a repellent that turns them away like it is so many times. Just be an example so that they want what we have. Listen, my generation grew up with kind of an expectation that you were going you were gonna, you were gonna to you were going to be a Christ follower. I mean, it doesn't matter. All of us grew up, most of you grew up in, in the Catholic background. A lot of us grew up, whatever, one way or another, like there's this expectation. Our kids' generation and the younger generation, they don't live there. Uh, th- this newest generation is twice as likely to give up on God as our generation was. That means our approach needs to be a little bit different because they are not just going to naturally assume that they want to follow God. So what do we do? We're salt and we're light and we don't overdo it and we just give them an example. I'll tell you, I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you my story. Um, I have, a, I have a lot of back problems. I have had a lot of back problems all of my life, and they've gotten a lot worse uh, in the last few years because I've gotten older. And I have done, don't give me any more remedies. I've done everything that you could do. I have in, two inversion tables. I have stem. I, you know, I'm taking uh, turmeric. You know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got pain patches. I've been to all kinds of doctors. I had a nerve fried. I had nerve ablation, like where they take a needle in and kill the nerve. Nerves grow back, okay? Continual problems. I went to Mayo Clinic. Um, they said, you got scoliosis, you got a degenerative disc, and you have arthritis in your hips. Have a nice day. 
sucks to be you. I mean, that's what it says on the report is sucks to be you. So I, I, I mean, I'm like six months ago, I'm starting to get like, I don't know if, I don't know if I can keep doing this. This is always, always in that much pain. And I had people tell me, you know, there's a couple of things you haven't tried yet that you ought to. One of them was hot yoga, which I am now doing. Um, I also got on a new medication, um, an anti-inflammatory medication that I'm taking during the day. And for the last six weeks, I've been gluten-free. Now, I'm going to tell you something. People have been telling me to get off gluten for uh, as long as I've been alive, it feels like. Everybody that's gluten-free that hears I've got inflammation is like, oh, you need to get off gluten. Gluten, gluten's a bad deal, man. It, it's really, you'll feel a lot better. Well, you know what? They were right. I feel great. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I can lift like a thousand pounds now. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I feel like a completely new man. But it took getting me to the point where I was desperate enough to give up bread, which is not an easy thing to do. Can I get an amen from you? I had to get desperate enough to the point where I was willing to say, okay, it must really be worth it or I'm not going to do it. And that's the new world that we live in. You've got to live a life and you just got to keep saying, hey, I'm here. I follow Jesus. This is how I do it. And be an example to the people around you. And someday they're going to go, you know what? I am really tired of having back pain. What do you do? And you can tell them, I gave up bread, man. (laughs) Someday they're going to get to the point where they're just going to be like, you know what? My life's not going the way I thought it was going to. But you look hopeful. You, you You seem like your life is different. And then you can give them the reason for the hope that is within you. If you go visit the Alamo, there's a, there are pictures of, all the heroes up there um, on the wall, except James Butler Bonham doesn't have, they didn't have a picture of him. So there's this plaque in this picture that says this portrait is of his nephew, James, Major James Bonham, who is also deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. This picture is placed here so that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. That's who we are. That's what Christians are supposed to be. There is no picture of Jesus. So your life and my life is supposed to be a representation of the one who died for freedom. Peter said, live such good lives among the non-believers, the non-believers that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, the point is salt should make us thirsty. That's why they serve pretzels and salty nuts at bars, right? Why do, they're not being nice. They're trying to get you to drink more. You not realize that? So what I'm saying is stay salty, my friends, so that they will stay thirsty, my friends. That's how this thing works. We're supposed to become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I mean, not perfect, but salty. Clean light. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
It's fascinating that Jesus invites the world to look at us, not to listen to us. It's fascinating that it says, though they see your good deeds, not that they hear your story. I mean, what I'm saying is you can paint John 3.16 on your eyelids if you want to, but they're going to watch how you play. And that's what's really important. So please understand that. We're directing people to Jesus as salt and light. In the Old Testament, God gave us a bunch of rules and said, here's how you, find, how, how you find me. In the New Testament, Jesus came along and said, follow me. Just follow me. And he gave us the example. And then we follow him and people see Jesus in us and follow him too. It gets a little confusing in social media world. Facebook? No, I literally want you to follow me. So Twitter? I'm going to start over and see if you can let me know where I lose you, okay? <laughs> no, just, just follow Jesus, and then other people see Jesus in us, and they want to follow him too. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We're like the moon, okay? We just shine the light of the sun, pass it on, and people see it. Now, at some point, you hopefully will get the opportunity to do some talking. At some point, you're going to get the opportunity. Paul said, or Peter said, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. At some point, they're going to be asking you why you seem to be feeling better than you have in a long time. And you can tell them, okay? Until that point, just be the moon. Just be salty. Just shine Jesus, and your opportunity will come. And I will tell you who had the opportunity this week and absolutely nailed it. And it's actor Chris Pratt. Did you see this on the MTV Awards? Did he not? Unbelievable. And I can't show it to you because we're on Facebook Live. I'm going to read you some of the stuff that he did. He is a Christian. Chris Pratt, if you don't know him, is a great actor. Parks and Rec and then Jurassic Park. And, and um, you know, I mean, just so many great, I mean, this is so fun to think about all the, all the roles that he's had along the way at Guardians of the Galaxy and all the stuff that has happened. Um, but he's a Christian and he's not weird. Well, he's weird, but he acts weird when he does it. So MTV has these awards, and they actually give the people, the, the people that watch, the people, you know, the public, the opportunity to, to vote for somebody that they believe is the generation award winner. In other words, somebody that they would look up to, that they look up to and think is, is a model of who they want to be. In other words, who is the guy who used to have, a, maybe used to have a bad back and now seems to be able to, you know, play golf again, play tennis again? Who is that guy? And Chris Pratt won. So he had the opportunity to talk. And here is uh, what he said, and I will, I will edit for those of you who saw it. This being the Generation Award, I'm going to cut to the chase and I'm going to speak to you, next generation. I accept responsibility as your elder, so listen up. These are rules from Chris Pratt, Generation Award winner. Rule number one, breathe. If you don't, you will suffocate. Rule number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Rule number three, don't be a Word I won't use. If you're strong, be a protector, and, you're, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, but do not wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Number four, when giving a dog medicine, put the medicine in a little piece of hamburger, and they won't even know they're eating medicine. 
You got to get Chris Pratt's humor, man. I mean, he's just doing a great job of being salty, mixing it all in there together. Number five, doesn't matter what it is, earn it. Reach out to someone in pain. Be of service. It feels good, and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. And, and the crowd is applauding. You got to go online and watch it. Number seven, I will skip, but it's basically his advice about how to use the bathroom in somebody else's house without stinking it all up. <laughs> it's actually really good advice. I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> Number eight, learn to pray. It's easy and good for your soul. Number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you that you're perfect the way you are. You're not. You're imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom we enjoy in this country that grace was paid for, that grace was paid for with someone else's blood. Do not forget that. Do not take it for granted. God bless you. Isn't that incredible? Way to go, Chris. That is unbelievable. Just absolutely nailed it. Why? Because the younger people saw him as a cool guy, as a fun actor, as a person that they liked, and as somebody who figured out how to live life, okay? That's all it is. That's salt and light. Get out there. Don't overdo it and make Jesus look good. My best story of this, some of you have heard, um, is uh, from... My daughter, Rachel, my oldest daughter, Rachel, when she was in college, she went to go start a campus ministry in Birmingham, England. And um, <laughs> it's funny, I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't even talked about this in, until just today. Um, she went to Belmont University, which at that time was a Baptist-based university, and um, she went to start a campus ministry, and they said, well, that's not an excused semester off. So, um, you, you know, you, you can't do that. We got we to gotta prove it. She's, and she's like, well, I'm going, you know, whatever. And they, they never did approve it. So they literally had to kick her out of her college, to her Baptist-based college, to go start a campus ministry in Birmingham, England. The irony of that is, um, I mean, they were cool about it. It was just like they couldn't figure out how to deal with the rules. The cool thing about it is when she came back, they readmitted her for her senior year. At the end of her senior year, she won the Heart of Belmont Award, which was an award uh, that said that she exemplified the values of Belmont better than anybody else in her class, even though she got kicked out for doing it. So that's fun. <laughs> um, the campus ministry was uh, in Birmingham, England. She was 20. And uh, we had to sign a permission form, since she was still underage, for Rachel to go drink beer in pubs in England. Um, you know, that was a little different than a zoo trip permission form, you know. <laughs> and um, we didn't think twice about it because we trusted her and we knew what this was about. And if you don't understand the culture, again, this is what I'm talking about. If you don't understand the culture you're going into, you can go in and try to be salt and light all you want, but it's not going to work. And these guys knew that they, if they were going to reach young people in, in Birmingham, England, they had to go to the pubs because that's where the college students were. You know, deal with it. The drinking age is nine in England. It doesn't matter. 
And, and, and number two, they knew that if the kids went into the pubs and had a Diet Coke, they would kind of stand out as well. So they had strict rules about it. And actually, Nathan and Jen Jones, who are at our New Lenox campus, were, were there at the same time. They were all part of this ministry together. And these kids would just go in and, and sit down in pubs and start making contact. And Rachel ended up starting a band with a couple of, uh, of guys from England, and, and they would play the pubs around there. And over the course of time, she got to know uh, one, of the, one of the guys from over there who was a very, very smart guy, computer science major. He was working in computer securities at that point on his master's. He's, a, he's basically a hacker with a degree, and he's really, really smart. And, and you have to understand, only 4% of England believe in Jesus. I mean, it's like it is not an expectation. So he's grown up going, oh, I don't, I don't need that religious stuff, right? So, so she meets him. They have these conversations over the course of time, develop a, you know, develop a friendship. She comes back, gets readmitted to, to, to college and, and gets on her way, and they continue talking. And Ash starts slowly opening up to the idea of, of, of Jesus. And they're talking online one day, and this is, the, uh, this is the online version of the story. He said, you know, talking about religion, Rachel, when I met you, I could have and had in the past given you hours of justification for why I hated religion. I could have reeled off a list and I could have put you as a religious fanatic in your place. And had you come at me and challenged why I hated religion and why I pity people who believe in God and Jesus and the resurrection, I would have put you in your place and no offense, but I probably would have come away looking pretty smug for all my excellent arguments and rational victories of logic. But you didn't do that. You didn't oversalt things. You didn't overpower me with the light. You didn't turn me away. You just went ahead and showed me that it was all bull, naughty word, and, and that most of my facts are just opinions wrapped in justification. And he said, the best analogy I can give you is kind of biblical, but I'm going I'm to risk it. It's like I spent years building all these foundations for myself. And people would come by and they would say, hey, your foundations are looking pretty rubbish. And I'd throw stuff at them and I'd tell them to bugger off because they were, after all, just standing in the mud themselves. But then you walked up and instead of pointing fun at my rubbish foundations, you just walk over and stand on a rock. That's what I'm talking about, salt, light. I'm looking over thinking, hang on, she's not saying it, but that rock required no building at all and it looks sturdier than my foundations. And you don't have to tell me because I could see the damned rock. That's what salt and light does. You don't don't even have to really tell them. You just have to show them. And at some point, their back's going to hurt long enough. They're going to be open to it. And most of you know the rest of that story. Became a Christ follower. She flew back over and helped baptize him in a river in Wales. They started a romantic relationship, and now he is my son-in-law and the father of two of my grandchildren. Because she got out there, and she didn't overdo it, and she made Jesus look good, and so did Nathan and Jen and a whole bunch of other people. And now he is doing that for my grandsons and a whole bunch of other people. And that's how we reach, raise, and release. It's really that simple. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for that team that went over to Birmingham, England, and changed my life forever. 
thank you for Ash. I thank you for... I thank you for the good-hearted people that try to show you everywhere that we go. And I ask for forgiveness when we are contaminated and forgiveness for when we oversalt and forgiveness when we don't do it the way that we're supposed to. But, Lord, don't let that make us gun-shy. Help us to go out and be the light and be the salt that we're supposed to be because we live in that window of time. We live in this window where there are more people that, that are around than ever before, and yet there are more people that don't believe in you than ever before, and we've got to figure out how to, how to help them. And we probably don't need to preach. We probably just need to give them an example. So be with us as we go do summer. Help us to get out there and not overdo it. And just make you look good. Because when we can do that, everybody wants you. Thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.